This is Mission.org. If you look at that brand promise and going back to my brand storytelling priority, that element of get the future you want is an element that I think is very important from an inside-out perspective. Even before thinking around how we help our customers get the future we want, I think get the future we want is also around creating a more sustainable world and economy. It's about creating a more inclusive world and economy. Can you tell a company's story if you don't know where the narrative is heading? Our guest today breaks down the necessity of truly knowing a company's goals so that the story that's being told can become a reality and puts the story as the foundation for aligning a company. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, and today we are joined by Francois-Xavier Riodo, who goes by FX and is the Chief Marketing Officer of Capgemini Invent North America, where he leads growth for Capgemini Invent and Frog. Capgemini Invent, which is part of the larger Capgemini group, is focused on helping its customers transform their businesses from strategy to design by using the latest technology and data science methods. FX shares with us his and Capgemini Invent's interesting narratives. Let's jump into their stories. FX, you, you are in Austin this week for South by Southwest. Um, this is your first South by Southwest experience? Yes, this is the first time for me in Austin, actually, in Texas. Uh, okay, well, that's actually a pretty beautiful experience. Like, coming to Austin is a big win. Coming to Austin for the first time is a win. During South by Southwest is a pretty interesting time to be here. So tell us a bit more about kind of the importance of the event, like, and also for Frog and, and Capgemini and kind of your experience here. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I'm getting to know South by Southwest, you know, it's my first. Uh, I'm very impressed that they bring all together, you know, the, the, the techies, the artists, the musicians. So it's a really key, unique space, I think, right now in the U.S. And I think there is the opportunity for us to make this one of our key moments, you know, that we want to engage with clients and also beyond clients that we want to build brand on, you know, because this is a good occasion to look at uh, engaging with, with creative talents as well as we, as we recruit and as we grow. Here in Austin, we have, uh, we have one of our marquee studios for Frog, I would say. Uh, you know, it's been rated one of the top 25 offices in the U.S. Wow. It's a pretty cool space. So we have the amazing opportunity to, to bring a great experience for our clients here. So we try to engage around the event for that. We invited more than 60 people, you know, to kind of join us. And we had wow. some activations around that. And then the cool thing from a marketing and communication perspective that we brought this year is we... We had a bit of a geofencing campaign where we were like targeting everybody in South by Southwest to uh, see some of our, of our you know, brand elements and kind of uh, get to know Frog a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been quite successful because we, we generated more than a million impressions. Wow. Yeah. You said something when you, you first got here about you want to go bigger next year. Yeah. So what went in? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing that leads you to think, OK, next year we come back, we go bigger? Yeah, I think, I mean, what's really impressive about this event, as I understand it, right, is that the event is not in one place, you know, it's all around the city, you kind of go attend different events, attend different demos, experience different brands. uh, And I think there is a very interesting way to possibly interact differently with clients around it and uh, and prospects. And 
I would be interested to have Frog almost be the host of the event for, for some of our people traveling from the different places around the US uh, and kind of tailor, you know, the experience of the event for them uh, and uh, trying to leverage different places around the city for them to see what they need to see that is re relevant to their verticals. I think, you know, Frog used to be very famous for throwing the South by Southwest opening party. Oh, okay. I think this is something that we may want to explore as yes. well in the future. Yes. Well, I saw, I started looking more into Frog um, after we connected with you and just seeing that, I mean, I love the content and the angles around sustainability. It seems like there is a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Frog is very famous around human-centered design. Mm -hmm. So that's not only around the creative and the artwork element of it, but also around the experience. Uh, at Capgemini Invent, we like to think that, you know, as Frogs is coming into this family, it's our play in a, what we call the customer first element, which is basically every interaction that as a business you may have with your customer, Frog can kind of strategize around it, can de design the platform, design the look and feel, design the experience. And I think this is bringing, you know, a new story for Invent that is very strong. And I'm really happy to have the chance to work uh, on Frog in this role because I think it's a brand that uh, chief design officer and chief customer officer actually love. Having, you know, love for a brand, I think is everything that you wish for. So having that good, you know, kind of step like a uh, uh, building block to start with as we, we try to scale up our marketing efforts in North America, I think is, is an excellent uh, place to start. Oh, that's awesome. So outside perspective, kind of coming in early days of Capgemini, because you went through the ranks really high to yeah. now be a, a CMO in your first, what, four or five months in the role, right? Yeah, in the U.S., yes. Yeah, in the U.S. So, so I just want to kind of understand your career path because I, I look at your resume, so to speak, and I see it, a guy who clearly, you know, was able to capitalize and move very quickly in a very big organization that has a lot of brilliant people. So I'm, I'm very impressed and I'm curious about just your path. I'd love to hear the story just of like, how did you get into there? How did you move so quickly into the CMO role? You know, at the end of the day, career, it's, it's a mix of, you know, luck encounters and then being at the right, on the right topics when you need to be. Uh, in my case, I think I've been lucky that, you know, I had the curiosity uh, to uh, every now and then want to relocate. So I kind of changed geographies very fa fast. I started my career here in the U.S. actually about uh, 11 years ago now. Oh, okay. uh, and um, that was my first assignment. And, you know, that was the moment that Capgemini was trying to basically weaponize a bit more what it was doing with social media. And I was the youngest person in the team, so I was kind of the, one of the only person that kind of understood that how it worked. So, uh, so we worked on kind of building a program around that. Wow. At that time, our field mark, like our mix, was very much around events. From that, I got the opportunity to work in uh, uh, in uh, in France on uh, on uh, basically turning our, our executive into uh, almost like channels of communication for Capgemini. We built it as a program, you know, that was uh, around the, around. Um, employer advocacy and, you know, like kind of pushing their expertise out there, having them, you know, touch upon social selling, etc. Uh, that was a really great program that I, I got the chance to work with, where we, we built a team in India that was syndicating the content, uh, working on some of strategizing a little what those executives need to position themselves for. This program gained a lot of visibility at Capgemini very early, so I was uh, was lucky to be to be working on it. And, wow. um, and are, you, are you from France? Or you're yes. From, or are you from, from I'm France? Very remote uh, French area, very uh, deep countryside. So. Oh, what's it? What's, yeah. what's, what's it called? Uh, the name is Clermont-Ferrand. So you had a chance to kind of go back home in some ways yeah. to work. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I did my study part of my studies in Asia, so I always had that idea that I want to go back to 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 Asia, and okay. um, and that's where the luck came in. You know, there was this allowed me to create some connections with. Uh, with some of the, the, the executive at Capgemini as well. And uh, that's the moment seven years ago where Capgemini 
reset a little its, its, its strategy and business in Asia and uh, nominated Luc François Salvador, uh, who became my boss, to, to be the, the head of this new entity ah, for the, for the okay. group. And you know, I kind of pitched myself for a marketing role there as they were creating the entity. Wow! And uh, and that's been a that's been a very lucky guess. So I was in the next plane for Hong Kong, and uh, and uh, and we had the uh, we had the uh, I mean, Capjuna in Asia has been extremely successful, which allowed me from just make, being the marketing person there to you know recruiting a team and, yeah. and scaling it, and effectively becoming the director of marketing for for Asia Pacific for a very significantly sized business yeah uh so yeah that was that that was when the luck met and the opportunity met the met the, the skills yeah there's a part of you that you know that definitely you know takes the leap you know and maybe yeah. in some ways takes the leap and asks questions later where does that come from is that something that was encouraged by your parents i think my parents uh yeah when i was younger were a bit supportive of that i would say yes i i, I took uh you know, in the summer, they asked me to to come to the U.S., uh, do some volunteering work on some of those programs where all expenses are paid, but oh, and yeah. then you work in exchange for that, you know, things like that. So that's how I got uh, a good working English, let's say, but uh, but still a pretty bad accent. <laughs> but, but but that's where that's where I learned English. And then I think when you do that early on, you know, in, in your teenagers, you you kind of want to 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 have that uh, that experience again. So when I when I I was looking for my first jobs and was looking for overseas experiences, yeah. I think Capgemini is also a company that allows, we call it the entrepreneurship culture, is get the future you want, which is both an internal and external facing uh, promise. Mm. I really say that in my case, it's something that has been very true. I have been able to always build the business case for what I wanted to do. Uh, sometimes it was uh, in accordance with, you know, a personal pro pro project, which was to relocate somewhere new and matching them has been possible thanks to that culture as well. How do you view failure now versus maybe coming, kind of growing up in your career? As you grow in age, the risk that you take is bigger. Uh. Even when you relocate from one country to the other, I think that's also the biggest step that it used to be, just because you're more formed in who you are, in what you like. I think in marketing, you know, we are very often the change agent in the organization, which mm -hmm. is we, we try things. And when you try by nature, uh, you fail very often. You know, the, the campaigns don't work. Uh, an event that you set up, uh, people don't show up. Uh, that is that is just the reality of it. So I think you learn if, in failure. So I really think that's uh, that's important. And you learn in in shock. And in my case, I learned in cultural shock a lot. Uh, mm. I I learned in cultural shock living in Korea. I learned in cultural shock living in Mexico. I learned in cultural shock living in Hong Kong. And I learned today in in the U.S. because uh, the U.S. still has a very pretty different culture than Europe. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So you, you spent a lot of your, most of your career in, in Asia Pacific. Yeah. Um, how would you compare customer buying behaviors to the West? Yeah, I think there's two, uh, two main elements, I think, uh, that, are, that are documented. Well, first, of course, there is a big difference between the countries in Asia itself, and they have different levels of maturity. I think what's interesting in, in Asia is that because of the pace of growth, when you look at technology, the adoption of technology as straight, they didn't have the legacy element of it, which we have in the way that we adapt our customer behaviors. They went from, you know, uh, zero to ah. the best. Ah. Uh, so I think that's the main difference, the pace of adoption of technology. So I think the world is more digitalized in China, for instance, of course, but also in Southeast Asia. Mm. Uh, E-commerce is a very, I mean, it's, it's been the norm for already a very long time. I think that pace of, of change is just faster. So that's the first element. Mm. And the second element, is also related to that is the the growth that you know some of the large Asian organizations have have known has been 
building their system from scratch as well. So uh, if you look at the way that they, they, they have the opportunity that, you know, large organizations in Europe and the U.S. don't have, which is to build something without a legacy, uh, you know, element of things. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's a completely different uh, conversation because yeah. if you're a professional service, you need to move much faster. And uh, if you're, you know, facing directly the customers or in B2C organization, uh, your ability to meeting their needs through technology is really important because of that, uh, that element. What do you notice now kind of shifting, leading North America and in some ways kind of moving slower and adopting slower than in Asia Pacific? How does that inform your approach and your strategy in, in this culture? If we look at North America at the moment, it is true that this innovation is coming, you know, from the Silicon Valley, from, from, from Seattle, from here in Austin. There is a lot of new solutions that are coming and disrupt the way that businesses interact with their customers, with their employees. Uh, not to mention, you know, the last two years that also impacted a lot in terms of, you know, the expectations from both. In North America, it's very interesting to see those big businesses running through that disruption. Um, and it's very different from Asia in that sense that in Asia is less so about disruption than building from scratch, right? So, so it's a little bit what the difference that I see here in NA, you know, a lot of businesses that are established are trying to integrate the disruption. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, uh, you know, as a professional service company, how do we position our conversation in that environment? Uh, for us, it's really been about defining what's next. So, you know, thinking about the sector, the sector angle and looking into the evolution of the customer expectation, looking into how technology are going to disrupt those business models and defining what's the future. Then back to the, that brand motto, which is get the future you want. You know, it's really, mm. about, it's really about that. I love that answer, by the way. That was fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I want like a, a mic drop button. I can just press mic drop, <laughs> mic drop. That was great. That was, that was well done. How do you create the right culture as a marketing leader at an organization that's as big in scope as Capgemini Invent and Frog, like how do you how do you set that culture? How do you create the right culture? Yeah, I mean, it starts with creating also a culture within uh, within the marketing team itself, right? And for mm-hmm. me, uh, um, there is three elements that are very important. The first one is the story comes first. We are a large organization as well that has a lot of uh, brilliant people that have a lot to, of things to say. Uh, and uh, they write, they, they, they comment, they, uh, they build content and expertise. Uh, and then they usually go to marketing and say, hey, put that up on the website. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, uh, I think, I think having, having that idea around how do we kind of not do that, but you know, come from the story that we want to tell and then you know, kind of leverage those people. The second element, which is very, I think, related to that is ruthless prioritization. Mm. The business by nature is going to go, of course, in di- different directions and, uh, and needs to you know, uh, adapt to a lot of uh, different uh, customers and clients, etc. The way that the marketing kind of prioritizes its work is very important. What we push out there and the way that we represent ourselves needs to be extremely you know, segmented. And that has an impact also in terms of you know, the way that you use those MarTech tools that are coming today. It's like, you know, uh, if you... <laughs> target everybody all the time, then and you try to be all things to all people, it's never going to work. Uh, being ruthless in saying no, uh, in, uh, in not doing something rather than doing something, I think is sometimes better from the perspective of the culture and marketing than, than otherwise. And then the, the last, and I think that comes back to your question earlier, is I think there is in the marketing environment, the importance of having a room to fail, basically the, the possibility to fail, because we have to be uh, the creative people in the, in the organization. We have to be bringing to life new ideas. We have to uh, uh, take risks and, and try things that are not going to work all the time. And having that mindset, you know, uh, even in my team, you know, which is, you know, 
it's okay for you to fail uh, as long as you know we learn from it every time and then next year we build a bigger campaign on, on the same topics wow i love that i mean story ruthless prioritization room to fail the last one tells me that you've created a safe place for the marketing team to fail i think that's really important because some people will bounce from marketing team to marketing team afraid to fail because you know of the impact does anything change about your approach to marketing like in 2022 now the world has vastly changed the last couple of years yeah absolutely there is important fatigue with uh, digital tools for our customers for audience uh, and uh, there is the opportunity now to resume physical activities uh, if you look at a company like capgemini invent and and, and frog uh, you know what companies that are b2b uh, you know of course the strong element of our marketing mix before the, the last two years was uh, relating on, you know, bringing people in a room and telling them something and presenting them insights. What I'm convinced on, and I think the last few days at South by Southwest has, has uh, built into that, that conviction, is that this year is the big return of the physical activities uh, for us. And, you know, we're already kind of brainstorming a lot between the team and, you know, how do we invest wisely in this? I think that's going to be the big difference and people are going to be willing to do it, mm -hmm. uh, happy to do it, uh, looking forward to be able to resume, you know, meeting people and hop on the plane, something that they haven't done in two years. In terms of the going back to a marketing mix that includes that mm -hmm. in the, in, as part of it is, uh, is, is the bigger change. And if you think about it, you know, there is, when you think around a brand, you need to think around the experience of the brand. And mm -hmm. for us, the experience of the brand is related to you know, those studios that I mentioned before and the ability to, yeah, how you can, how you can touch us, interact with our experts, see them. And I think that's, uh, that's really how we bring that back. Is there any sort of experimental marketing that happens? I think going back to that, the, that element of culture that we discussed before, um, I think we're trying to experience new things in everything that we do. Uh, the way that, you know, we, Sometimes it's the way that we use technology. Sometimes it's the way that we use content. Uh, we, we start, we try to have a rule in terms of content, you know, for instance, in terms of, you know, what's informative versus what's provocative. Mm. So we do have a percentage on this in terms of what we're trying to say. There is room from both the story, the story angle to experiment new things. And then there is, uh, there is room in terms of channels and tools that we use. I think for South by Southwest, for instance, is the first time that we try to add this element of geofencing advertising to the mix. And that is something that, uh, that somehow is experimental for us right now, mm. uh, though it's not a new technology. Right. Uh, but this is something that we may want to do more, you know. So we try it once and then we expand. Do you have any like C-level ABM initiatives on the horizon? So if you look at, you know, Capgemini is a 370,000 people organization. And Capgemini Invent within that very IT technology-driven organization is the innovation and transformation powerhouse of the sub-brand of, of, of the group. And what we are trying to do, you know, uh, but basically if you think around it from a brand perspective, what Capgemini Invent is doing for Capgemini is to extend our reach and positioning from, you know, sometimes the CIO, the CTO, people that are very technology-driven to other members of the C-level. Mm. Uh, so part of our marketing mix that is to, you know, engage with, you know, chief marketing officers, chief HR officers, CEOs, making ourselves relevant to the, the CEO uh, agenda mm -hmm. uh, are very much at the core of what we are trying to push uh, as a, from a marketing and communication plan. To be more specific, for us, it's really about uh, thought leadership on the market, of course, which is, you know, 
what is it that we built that is at the core of you know their pain points what they care about what they think about and then how do we bring them in an experience for them to understand that content i think we have the opportunity to bring back events and and briefing sessions etc and i think that will uh, that will that will bring a lot of value to them that's great so 72% of marketers say that meeting customer expectations is more difficult than it was a year ago now more how has this played out for you what is your team doing to tackle this consistent challenge of rising customer expectations? I think customer expectations have risen a lot also uh, in the new digital world. You know, they are being mobilized to attend a lot of different, uh, different sessions. They are being mobilized to, to be online very often. And I think there've been a lot in all cases when we are trying to share messages, share content, they've been a lot more picky around how they use their time. Uh, so that has been for us, uh, to, to, I, I think, Probably, probably one of the things that we've had to, to tackle on that front. Uh, the way for us that we that we have deal with this is to refocus a little bit of our content uh, around those key moments and uh, moments that matters, uh, and to be a lot more targeted in the way that we reach out to them. I think increasing the quality of our content, being a little bit more thought provoking, mm-hmm. more forward looking, uh, insights driven rather than you know thinking around projecting our capabilities or, you know, kind of our portfolio of offers and things yep, like that. Exactly. I think has been extremely important in to, to, to kind of maintain that connection with them and maintain that conversation ongoing. Capgemini Invent is, is full of the brightest people that have the expertise and our, you know, our wealth and what we market at the end of the day is that expertise. This ability to project, you know, the fact that we are able to solve complex solutions, whether they are from the, the design, the transformation, or even in the key areas of connected products and services, and kind of you know take those problems and find and find scalable solutions, uh, I think is is key. But you do not sell that from the angle of this is what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. You sell it from the angle of uh, you know uh, this is the expertise that I have in this uh, that uh, this is what's going to happen to the to the business. This is mm-hmm. the expertise that we have. This is also some of the stories that we've done with some of the other. Uh, on the marketplace. Mm, that's great. 78% of marketing organizations have changed or reprioritized metrics due to the pandemic. What has become the most valuable metric for you and your team in this new era? I'm changing a little bit my mindset as well in, in how I look uh, I, I look into this. As marketers, of course, we always look at as the people that uh, bring bring the leads in. So, you know, you bring the sales uh, or metrics that, uh, that the metric that I, that I look at closely, you know, is in our CRM, you know, what's the amount of tagged opportunity that are coming for marketing and communication campaigns and activities. So this is something that we look closely at, but that is kind of our bread and butter, right? Um, if you look at, I think, where Invent is right now in North America, and the reason why I'm changing a little bit, uh, 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 at, least, at least rebalancing a little bit what I look at, we have undergone a giant transformation. And we have that family of, of, of brands with Frog, with design, you know, and, and Synapse on the other hand that looks at connected products and services uh, that is kind of building into, into that story. Um, and I think that story is not told to the market in a, at best at the moment. Uh, the, the brand awareness uh, and the way that we, uh, you know, that we are famous uh, for me becomes more and more important rather than targeted, you know, kind of market share exercise. So looking at how do we, do, we, do we tell that story in a consistent way across all of those different elements is for me the most important one. So brand awareness for me is becoming a more and more important uh, metrics uh, at a moment where I think we have a pretty cool story to tell. On that note of brand awareness, it seems like it can be one of those you know, elusive 
things to measure. How do you look at measuring brand awareness? There's qualitative and quantitative elements to brand awareness. I think the first element that we look at is extremely quantitative. We have a part, research partner every year that tells us where we are and where we stand. I think more interesting than this is going into qualifying that brand awareness. We look at it by, uh, you know, uh, C-levels. For instance, you know, some members of the C-suite, in, in, like, depending on the ones that we target. And also, what are the elements kind of building into that brand awareness? So when you know Capgemini Invent, uh, what do you know about Capgemini Invent? What do you know if they're strong on do you know if they're strong in these elements or not? When do you know Frog? This is how we do it. And then we, we compare ourselves, ourselves to, the, to the competition as well. Uh, and then back into that point, I think going back into the role that Capgemini Invent plays for Capgemini, I think it's interesting to see if Capgemini Invent as a brand does that job of connecting to new C-level more than the Capgemini brand itself. Then the qualitative element of it is interesting as well, because uh, for me, I think staying in touch with my sales colleague, uh, who at the end of the day are my mo- mo- most important stakeholders in the organization, is very important. And the sales colleague will always tell you that you know what's important for me, you know when I when I pitch or when I have a first conversation with a new contact, is to no- not lose that first ten minutes explaining who we are, keeping those ten minutes and ho- already being able to walk in the room with some recognition is making completely the difference. And that's also what makes them call you rather than you kind of reaching out to them through your marketing activities. So I think that's the qualifying elements. The last uh, and probably one of the most important points is what do your people think about your brand? Uh, is that brand, you know, making them proud of working for, for, for Capgemini Invent, Frog, Synapse? Is that brand making them happy about it? Are they, uh, you know, uh, feeling that they're getting experience from that, that is, you know, relevant to their brand, the brand promise. In our case, you're getting the future that you want. And I think that's uh, that's uh, an element of metric that is very important. That is, if you look at hard KPIs, that can be retention, that can be the internal survey that you run. So I also saw this interesting stat that Capgemini, they were like voted one of the world's most ethical companies, which I think is it's an amazing title. And I think they've gotten that several years or at least been in that category, which I think that says a lot about the brand. What is that like for you being the marketing leader there, knowing that this you're part of this larger org that is just really buttoned up and, and not cutting corners? And, and it seems like there's a lot of, you're doing a lot of things right. Yeah, this is something that is extremely important for our CEO, and that is cascading down at all levels within the organization. Sometimes when you're working for an organization, you're thinking maybe there is a little bit of a disconnect between you know what is being said and what is the reality. And, and Capgemini, it's really part of, 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 of the culture and the, uh, and the identity. Uh, if you look at that brand promise and going back to my brand storytelling uh, uh, priority, the, that element of get the future you want is an element that I think is very important from an uh, inside out perspective, uh, even before, you know, thinking around how we help our customers get the, the future we want. I think get the future we want is also around, you know, creating a more sustainable uh, world and uh, an economy. It's about uh, creating a more inclusive world and economy, which is also, you know, at Capgemini we care about digital inclusivity, you know, we have uh, uh, what that as one of our priority, which is how do we engage with the rest of the community, make sure that people know how to use this tool, make sure that technology is having a positive impact in the way that people scale themselves, in the way that people grow their career. Uh, and of course, uh, diversity of also from, a, from a, uh, you know, gender, race, etc. is a very important uh, topic. So I think those three elements coming together at Capgemini is really part of our core value proposition to our people and uh, cascade it from the top, really. I think, and I think that's the only way that 
you know, a culture can really be, be so strong. Uh, and I'm very, of course, we're very proud and very happy about that recognition from Etisphere. That's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you work with your executive team to get the most out of the marketing function? Well, I think the CMO is the one that uh, in the organization has to be the most curious. Uh, it's a curious function. So you're curious around what people say about you. You're curious around what the customer thinks about you. You're curious around what the, you know your colleagues think around you. And then you know, you're know uh, you usually on the receiving hand on the, a lot of message, even if you are the one who, are, who is cascading. You also have the opportunity to be at different strategic level in the organization, which is very unique, I think, uh, for the marketing function. You know. You are across HR, you are across uh, you know, the CEO agenda and the strategic exercise, you are across sales, of course, you are across. So that ability to kind of connect to all of the different uh, places around the organization gives you an ability to create a particular relationship with the CEO. Uh, and you have to be his partner in, the, in executing his, his business vision. It's, in my case, it's been very often that the CEO will rely on me to understand what's happening very often within the organization and kind of get differentiated types of, uh, of, of view around the, uh, around the ideas and what's happening. I think that's, that's really important. So that's the first element, which is on that side. The second element is, though you have all of that information and, 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 you, are, and you keep being curious, uh, I think, uh, and back to your point about being a little bit tactical around it, I think a CMO needs to, probably more than many other functions, know how to manage up. And I think that's probably an advice for not only all marketers, but you know anybody that is in a leadership function, yeah. understanding very clearly, uh, you know the strategic exercise of uh, of your boss, of the direction of the business, uh, what are the key priorities, and making them real in terms of what you do and what you say on the market mm-hmm. is going to make you basically help them fit in the, in the in the target and help you make make yourself more relevant. You know, in a professional service organization, I think marketing is often seen. Um, as a support function, as a cost center, it's very difficult to operate that shift. The way that you do it is through connecting this, create like being curious around everything, uh, you know, kind of reporting back very, very often, and being able to create that strategic partnership with the CEO. Mm, that's great. Can you talk about uh, the future, the journey ahead, in terms of what you're seeing? Because also. Being at Capture Money Infinite, it puts you at this intersection of a lot of innovation. You're seeing a lot. You're seeing a lot of what's coming. So knowing that you're at a really beautiful intersection, what do you, what does the future look like? What do you see ahead? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting for me because I'm also coming from Capgemini and getting to discover Capgemini, which uh, has undergone a lot of change and a lot of, of uh, I think, exciting new elements of value proposition that we're bringing on, working with different talent groups as well. And I think bringing all of those people together from a cultural perspective is very difficult. I think it's really interesting how the culture of bringing this together is really oriented around the story that we tell. It's going to be story-driven, which is, you know, end-to-end view on what is it that we can offer. Uh, If you think around it, the differentiated value proposition is very clear, which it is that we can help products and services along the wall, build products and services and bring to life what's next along the full products and services life cycle. So if you ask me what's on my roadmap, this is really what it is. It's, you know, you have Frog and you have Synapse and you have Capgemini Invent and you have others that are coming in and you're thinking, you know, all of those people have uh, different cultures. They have different ways to see the world. But then the idea is how do we kind of unite them around one brand story that is beneficial to, you know, the our clients and customers. How do you do that? I like to think about it as a coalition, building a coalition. So you're building a coalition of professionals that have very different uh, expertise that respect each other, but that are rallied around that brand promise that we have, which is we have this ability to bring to life what's next. Awesome. That's great. 
Only 36% of marketers strongly agree that the training they receive from their company sets them up for success. What skill sets are more valuable for your team now than they were a year ago? Actually, I, I mean, the Capgemini Research Institute has worked on this topic and interviewed more than 1,600 B2C marketers to be able to, to come up with understanding, you know, uh, what, what is the skill gap, what, what is it that, that CMOs are looking for in the playbook for CMOs. And as a matter of fact, only 11% of marketers are considered data-driven. Uh, and I think if you think around it, this is where the gap is. What we see in the research is that, you know, when you look at the brand awareness impact, which is very much related to a lot we've discussed today, the data-driven marketer have a twice greater impact than the others. And when you look at, uh, you know, that market share element and the activities that is related to sales generation, data-driven marketers are two and a half times more impactful in the results that they give to the company. So if you think around that, and, uh, and I think as a CMO myself, I see it in the team, you know, as we look into new technologies such as intent, as, uh, you know, so think, things around that, uh, that is the, you know, kind of the hot skill in the market right now. You can build it in two ways. I think you, you need to think around how you boost the skill of, you know, people that are already there in the team. Uh, so we're definitely investing on this in order to be able to not necessarily, you know, become data-driven marketer themselves, but being able to work with data-driven marketers, being able to work with third-party agencies, be able to integrate the data first, the mindset to what they're doing. And then, of course, acquiring the skills in the team, which is recruiting new people on the market, which is quite hot. Mm, that's great. For those of you listening for the first time, we're grateful that you're here. For those of you who have been here with us since the beginning, you know who you are. This podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. For those of you who want to learn more, head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. Lightning round. Here we go. We have FX uh, CMO for Capgemini Invent North America. Thank you for being here. First question is a doozy. Do you prefer texting or talking? I prefer texting. Okay. What's one thing that you truly love and appreciate about yourself? Uh, I would say curiosity. I'm a curious person. So I think that's been doing quite well for me. I like that one. What's your favorite day of the week? Well, I would say Friday probably because this is the end, but <laughs> and I value my free time a lot. But uh, overall, I think Wednesday is a good day. Okay, Wednesday midweek. Okay, what's favorite city? Now, you've traveled a lot around the world, but what's your favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in now? Well, I live in New York. I think my favorite city in the U.S. besides this one would be Austin, maybe. Hey, great answer. It's, it's recorded. We got that recorded. So, all right. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Every language in the world. I traveled to China enough to know that it's very difficult when you don't speak languages to yeah. connect with people and, uh, and, and be very efficient on where you are and what you do. <laughs> Got it. What's your favorite holiday? Well, I say Christmas, family okay. time. Yeah. Okay. Scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? I used to be extremely good, but uh, I think I have lost it. It's been seven years that I'm not driving. So, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So okay. I would say probably five, but I mean, I used to be a good, a strong uh, okay. 8.5. Okay. Uh, please fill in the blank. Something wise my elders taught me was? Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Hmm. Would you rather have invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> We've gotten some interesting answers to that one. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, if you weren't in marketing leadership, what would you be doing? I would be an architect. So yeah, ah. when I was younger, I really, really wanted to be an architect because I'm from a very deep countryside. Okay. So um, I was always fantasizing around 
big building and like a superstructure. Okay. Uh, and uh, as I traveled, I kind of kept that as something that is important for me. So I kind of, I'm a bit of a geek. I go on the forum and I, oh. I talk about urbanism and like uh, architecture. And then I, I was lucky enough to travel to Dubai and then those places where they built crazy stuff. Yeah. And now, you know, as I age, I think I'm, I'm focusing more on the, you know, kind of connection between architecture and human around urbanism, but also, you know, uh, design spaces and things like that. That's why I was super happy to be in Frog this week because our Austin studio uh, in uh, is uh, uh, designed in probably kind of the best way that you can for an office. And, uh, and that was really cool. 75% of marketers say that the pandemic has permanently shifted how they communicate and collaborate at work. What methods of collaboration have been the most effective for you and your team? Yeah, I mean, Capgemini is already a very digital organization before the before the, the last two years. And I, I was lucky enough in Asia Pacific to be running a, a, tea, a team of overseas people that were in the different countries around the region. So I think for me, uh, you know, running, running a team in a digital environment is about keeping, uh, uh, you know, a, a connection and reach around rituals, which is, you know, Team meetings are not only for KPI setting and discussions around the ongoing campaigns, but to understand better who people are beyond work, at work, what's important for them, you know, how to value them, what's next for them, etc. And I think, you know, that element of management has surely became became a lot more important in the pandemic area. Uh, I think, uh, you know, yeah, being in different countries, we had different, you know, elements also of uh, uh, of. Uh, uh, non-market kind of disruption uh, and it's been always very interesting for me to that idea about you know let's refocus on people let's make sure that you know our managers are uh, very well aware of how to take care of people talk to those people in this in these times and I think that has been an element of success and that made people stay with us in our team made us efficient uh, and uh, and make us work as, a, as an organization together that's great it's like you're already poised in many ways poised for it yeah. for the changes in the world like you said, a lot of virtual yeah. digital people, and that's awesome. And last one, what would you go back and whisper into the ear of your younger self about being a marketing leader? Do first apologize later. I love that. This has been great. So th- thank, thank you, you so for, much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This has been exceptional. And next time you come to Austin, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do something fun, maybe round two. Thank you. That was Indeed. really good. Thank you so much. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands. 
to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.